Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. Are you guys jumpers? If you're not, you're going to be after this message. I don't believe anybody should be left in the boat. You know what I'm saying? We're not going to leave 11 in the boat critiquing the one guy who started to drown and sputter a little bit. Let's just all get out of the boat. We're all going to drown a little, but we're all going to be upheld into the command of the Lord. You know what I'm saying? So we're not going to do a normal church service today, right off the bat. I had a great conversation with, with Donnie what was it, two days ago, and I've been thinking about it ever since. And one of the verses that he shared, he's been stirred up about, and I believe it's been releasing here is 1 Corinthians 14, 26. You know this verse? I should have sent you guys my verses. I don't want to be annoying, but if you can, 1 Corinthians 14, 26, and if not, just listen. You'll hear it, yeah? What then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn. Paul is instructing how we're supposed to gather as the church. This is so not American. Hello, the gospel, the kingdom didn't really originate in America. So throw off your Americanness for a minute. Do you know what I'm saying? And let's come into the kingdom here. We need to be kingdom people, not not Americans first. And I'm pro-America, but I'm saying kingdom-minded first. And whatever needs to bow within us, whatever perspective needs to bow within us, just needs to bow so it can line up with the kingdom. Yeah. Yet? Come on. Am I in the right room? First yeah. Corinthians 14, 26. What then, brothers? What then? What are you supposed to do when you come together? When you come together, we're going to practice this. Are you feeling the tension in the room? Oh, I'm so glad. Each one has a hymn. Oh, just the one anointed to preach. No, 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 no. Just the one with the beautiful voice. My husband loves to sing, and the man cannot sing. But God's put a song in his heart. This is how it works. It's not about talent all the time. Hello, come on. Although, I got to tell you, your voice, where's that girl? Alicia, come on. When you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. This is what it means to be in a church. I, I was just in, a, we were in Philadelphia. Can you tell this is going to get rowdy? Good. It's about to get rowdy. Isn't that what you've been asking for? God, disrupt the church. Disrupt business as usual. Then get ready to be disruptive. It's not somebody else who comes in. It's the Holy Spirit in you disrupting you out of your comfort zone. Come on. We were just in Philadelphia where the whole place is is, uh, the foundation of Quakers. Well, my family came over with William Penn, who founded Pennsylvania. And uh, my my family was Thomas Wynn, and he was the doctor for William Penn, and they were Quakers. And I just found out that that old ancestor of mine wrote a book on Quakerism. You know Quakers? You know Quakerism? I've been studying it more and more, and I'm into it. It's weird, but I'm into it. And so they began to found these fellowships called the Fellowship of Friends. And so I started watching all of these videos on what is, what does it mean to be a Quaker? What is Quakerism? And let me, have you heard the terms clergy and laity? If I said those terms, would you know what they mean? The clergy are the professional preachers. I mean, that would be honestly me, right? It's, 
hate to say it that way, but the clergy, those who are called to preach, those who are called to prophesy, they're in that kind of role. And then you have the laity, and that's everyone else. And that's how America runs church. And yet the scripture we just read doesn't align with that version of church. Come on. And so I was watching this thing on Quakers because Quakers, when they come into a meeting, they, they do something very odd. They're very silent. No one, I mean, each, each thing is, uh, runs differently. Each place is sovereign. But in many of their communities, nobody comes in specifically with the word to preach. And they just wait together in silence until God begins to move on a heart. And somebody steps up and begins to say something. And they could be, it could be anything. It could be, I was watching NPR, but I think this is what God's saying out of that NPR thing. I was, it's, 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 not a, it's not a plan. There's not three points. Come on. Sounds a little disruptive, doesn't it? Come on. And so I've been watching these videos, and this Quaker lady comes on, and she goes, people accuse us, accuse us of not believing in the clergy, not believing in the professional uh, uh, culture of pastoring, whatever. She's, that's not what, that's not it. That's not what a Quaker is. A Quaker is somebody who doesn't believe in the laity. Oh, it hit me. There's no such thing as out here anymore. We're all in it. We all have ears to hear. We all have a gift within. We all have something to, come on. We all come with something to contribute. This is what it means to be nameless and faceless. Listen, God only uses ordinary people. This is the thing. Somebody ordinary gets famous for stepping out and all of a sudden they're extraordinary and we go, oh, I'm not extraordinary. But there was a time I have the privilege of being friends with some of the, the people who you would know their names. They have shaken nations, including ours. But there was a time they were nameless and faceless. They were ordinary. They were the guy sitting in the back, whatever. And God breathed on them and they decided to step into the thing he was breathing on. And guess what? That ordinary, that, that, that ordinary became extraordinary. And this is the season we're in as the church. He says, I've given apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists. Why? So that they would wear especially beautiful clothing with pinstripe suits, with business cards that are laminated, maybe even a unique size and, and width and depth. And, you know, the paper is extra special as they hand you their apostolic business card. That is not the purpose of why God gives apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists. He says why. He gives these gifts to the body so that the whole body would be raised up into unity of the faith, into the full, listen to this, the full stature of Christ. Not a better version of yourself. The full stature of Christ. This is why he gives these gifts. And the church is in a moment where God is saying, it's been fine, I've blessed the one-man show. I've blessed the one woman show for a long time, but there is a time coming in the church when I'm telling you, you won't be able to distinguish the one who says I'm an apostle from the one who says I'm a businessman. We're, we're functioning in the same gift, the same unity of the faith, the same stature with Christ. It doesn't matter if you're a teacher at a public high school, you're a stay-at-home mom. It doesn't matter anymore. I'm telling you the church is in that moment, which is why we're not satisfied with church as usual. There's 
a reason. It's not because God doesn't like the church. It's because he's saying, I'm building something. It's called my son. I'm building full stature with Christ. I'm building that picture, that manifestation in the earth. And so the old thing won't fit anymore. It was blessed for a season. I'm not knocking any of those one-man shows. It was blessed for a season. It's been blessed, but I'm telling you something new is coming, and it's called nameless and faceless Christianity. When the church begins to believe the word of the Lord and step into the calling. So, here's where we're going to go. I'm going to tell you a couple of things, and then we're going to do something, and I'm telling you it better be disruptive. few years ago, I was just fascinated with this. I, first of all, I'm super weird. It, you know, I'm just going to lay it out. I just, I study everything. I get into everything. I, I study, I study, <laughs> Marsha's left. You know, actually, I got to introduce Mark and Marsha. Marsha has been my best friend for almost 20 years. And I don't know if you know, but we, we pastored a church here in Orlando, and Mark and Marsha were there with us, holding our hand. Marsha was our assistant or our associate pastor there. We didn't ever really use titles. We just, uh. But that's what she was. She was the glue of held everything together. And it's awesome that you're here. I love seeing my friends. I just love seeing my friends. Thank you for being here. What was I saying? Oh, weird. So like I was the kind of pastor at our church who I like I had no I, I still don't know what date it is I don't know what month we're barely in you know it's just so during Christmas I'd be preaching on like you know the book of Daniel and the Antichrist I mean th n there was no Christmas or Thanksgiving message we were just gonna whatever I was boring into we were gonna go with that so I don't even know why I'm telling you that but I'll take a verse something will grip my heart and it just won't leave me are you like that in the scriptures it's like people go, what are you thinking about? And two years later, you're still thinking about the same verse. You're like, there's just layers to this thing. I'm like that, okay? And this verse, Ephesians 2, just look at him. He's like, oh, good Lord, this lady. Ephesians 2, verse 4 through 7. Um, this verse started just gripping me, like really gripping and making me miserable. You know how verses do when you're... This is the thing when God gets hold of you, people talk about it like it's this awesome romantic thing. That's not how it is first, right? I mean, maybe, maybe at very first, you're like, ooh, and then there's the pain of I'm not walking in this. I don't have this. Stop talking to me about this first. Stop talking to me about this truth. Stop I don't wanna hear it because it, it creates pain that you don't have the thing that God is trying to invite you. He's dialoguing with you about something he wants to bring you into, but you haven't experienced yet. And so that process, it's, it's Moses on the backside of nowhere for 40 years. That's a very real thing. Moses knew his calling, right? Stepped into it in the flesh and for 40 years and on the backside. And he didn't want to talk about his calling. He didn't want to think about his call, right? We know this. So this, is, this verse was that to me, Ephesians 2, verse 4, for God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, listen, that part you know, you know what being dead in your trespasses is, right? Check. Look at the next part after the comma. Made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Oh, there's more. 
and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. It's that last part, this, that, verse six, raised us up with him, present tense, past tense, not future tense for sure, it's a done deal, raised us up with him, past tense, seated us, past tense, with him in the heavenly places in Christ. So here's what I want to say to you. You are here, right? Where are we? What city are we? Altamont Springs, you're here. Anybody doubting it? No. But this scripture says something profound says that we are also there. You, okay, you're in two places apparently at once. We think of heaven as a far off place, but I want you to see something. Heaven is a dimension. Jesus, when he sends his disciples out to preach, think of this, they're preaching in a way as unbelievers. The cross hadn't happened yet. Nobody was a believer. The way we would determine believing, right? Who, check. Yes, I believe Jesus died. We have this checklist of whether somebody's a believer, right? Jesus is sending out disciples and his apostles to preach before the cross. And what is he sending them out to preach? Are you still with me? One phrase. What's the phrase? Come on. What's the phrase? Don't you say it. What's the, what's the phrase? I'm going to say, no, I'm not going to save you three years of Bible school because you should do three years of Bible school here in this location. You need a ministry school, Donnie. I don't want to save you from ministry school. I, I want to just tell you, what will you be doing in ministry school? Preaching this one message. What's the message? The kingdom of heaven, the dimension of heaven let me say it another way. The reality of heaven is at hand. He's saying, you see these things as being far off, and I'm sending you to say the truth. The kingdom of heaven, the dimension of heaven is not far off. It's here. You've been blind to it, but it's, it's here. This scripture is much the same. Paul is saying, you are currently seated in heavenly places with Christ. You are there. You are there. You are here. But the scriptures say, scriptures do not lie, that you are also seated in heavenly places with Christ. You are there. This verse started to make me miserable. It started to get under my skin. What does it mean that we are there? What does it mean, God? And so one morning, as I often do, I get up in the mornings and I'll spend a half hour just meditating on the scripture. And I was just meditating on this verse. I'm going to read it again. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Think of yourself right there. Ephesians 1 says that he has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. 
that we should be holy and blameless before him. We are here, but friends, the scriptures say that we are there. And so there, I just began to meditate. I'm here, but Lord, I just... I agree with this passage. I am there. I am with you, seated in heavenly places. I see myself there. I agree with this word. Donnie said something about imagination. I use my imagination to agree with what you say is true over my life. We're taught imagination is a bad thing. It's only vain imagination. Called to give your imagination, your agreement to the Lord. This is what kids do really well, and Jesus says the kingdom belongs to children. Why? Because they use their imagination. You're a robber. You're a whatever. They play games, and everybody goes, yes. And we agree, and we go forward, right? And Jesus is saying, come in in the same way. Give me your agreement. Give me your imagination. So there I was. I see myself seated with you. I'm here, but I'm there. I hear, I'm here, and I'm there. And I was just, yes, yes, God, yes. And suddenly, I was caught up and saw myself in Christ, in his body. I was wearing him like a glove, looking out of his eyes in the throne room. And I immediately knew what it meant to be covered in the blood of Jesus. And for the first time, maybe this is a little embarrassing, but I don't care. There's a thing, like, we're cool with Jesus, you know what I'm saying? But when we start talking about the Father, there's like a, ooh, like, I hope we're cool, you know? I'm good with Jesus, but it was the first time I can remember in my actual experience, not just theology of preaching what we're supposed to preach and saying what we're supposed to say, but where I felt I was covered in the blood of Jesus. There was nothing of me outside of him. And I knew that if we got the Father's attention, everything was going to be good, (laughs) right? And it was this longing in my heart there from that place for the Father, Oh, I want the Father because I knew that when the Father looked at me, he was seeing me in Christ. And I had no fear. I knew what these scriptures meant to not fear, to not be afraid, that perfect love drives these things. I knew it by experience. And so I started going through every scripture that I could find where the term in Christ was. Do you know there's 75 times that Paul writes that phrase? In Christ. in Christ. It's so Christianese, right? We just say it to one another. Yeah, brother, we're in Christ. It doesn't mean anything. We just say these things to each other. But I believe Paul was talking from experience, from the place of being seated in heavenly places in Christ. And that Paul knew what it was to access this dimension. Once you see, I'm telling you, you're not going to read any of Paul's letters the same. It's everywhere. Paul was experiencing the reconciliation of heaven and earth in Christ. The scriptures also say that the Lord comes and makes his home within us. Have you read these things? Heaven is not a far off place. It is here. The kingdom of heaven is here. The throne room is here. 
When we say, oh, imagine yourself in the throne room with the four living creatures full of eyes who cry out day and night, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. It's not a far off place. The 24 elders gathered around the throne. Listen, it's here. Paul talks about the great cloud of witnesses that were surrounded by, hello? We are surrounded currently by others who have gone before us and run their race. And they are looking at us and saying, run! This is the scriptures. It's not a cutoff dimension. It's here. So we're going to be good Quakers. Because there is no laity. We are all priests. We... This is all Bible. The priesthood of all believers. This is for all of us. I want you to shut your eyes. Just say, I'm going to give my... I'll say, I'll say a phrase. You say, yes. Okay? I'm going to give my imagination to the kingdom of God and to the purposes of the Lord. I'm not afraid of giving my thoughts, my dreams to the Lord. Yes. I'm not afraid of coming into agreement with these scriptures for my life. This is the great disruption that we've been talking about. And I agree with it. I agree with it even for my own life. (sighs) Now the Holy Spirit, he is no respecter of persons. He's going to take you up on your yes right now. So here we are, not cut off from this dimension. But the kingdom of heaven, the reality of heaven is right here, right now. kingdom of heaven is upon us. We have been seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. For a long time, we've not seen ourselves like this. Though we've had a message of reconciliation, we still have seen ourselves as cut off. But not today. Today, we see ourselves in Christ. Seated with Christ, seated in the heavenly dimension with Christ. I want you to see yourself hidden in him, covered by his blood. You're not asking him to do it. You're not asking him to throw something down to you. You're coming into what's been provided for you. It's the finished work of Christ, and it's upon you. It's here. The kingdom of heaven is upon us. Spirit of reconciliation is here. Those who felt far off are no longer feeling far off because you're not. Those who felt cut off, you're no longer seeing yourself cut off because you're not. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The reality of heaven is at hand. Do you see yourself there? Give your imagination to it. Don't be afraid. In Christ. 75 times Paul says, in Christ. And you are in Christ. In Christ. Again and again, he says, every spiritual blessing is found in the dimension, the reality of heaven. We need to spend more time here. 
Every answer to your prayer is here. Every answer to your prayer is here. This is our message, the reality of heaven. How are we commanded to pray? Stay here. Our Father, who art in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth. Just the same way it operates in heaven. You were made to know this place, to live in this place. You were made. This is not for someone else. This is not for the ultra spiritual. This is for the everyday believer. You are hidden in Christ. Spirit of prophecy, come. Come. Spirit of prophecy, come. I started going there on my own, and I would take my kids in there. When they were sleeping, they didn't know I was taking them in there. But in my heart, I'd take my kids before the Father. And one day, I think it was Judah who woke up, and he had had a dream about the Lord. He had had a dream about something. I don't remember. And he came and told me the dream. And I said, oh, I was just praying for you. I took you into heaven with me. And Judah's response was, will you keep taking me with you? Yes. How many of you, you saw yourself closer to the Lord than maybe you felt in a long time? This isn't nothing. This is the practice of learning how to engage with the reality of heaven now. Heaven isn't a far-off place. It's not a place we go once we die. I mean, we do. But even then, it seems that somehow we're not cut off from this reality. That's what it says. The great cloud of witnesses is somehow still interacting with our reality. Hello? We think of it as so far. It's not. We see ourselves as so far asking God for this... Oh, God, would you just answer my prayer? And God's going, yeah, I have. Come into this reality and take it. It's here. You're waiting for me to do a thing, and I'm in shalom rest. I'm in, it says strive to enter into that rest, yes? How do we do that? You do this. You make time to agree with the Lord with your mind and with your heart and with your spirit where you say, God, I'm going to access you from this place. Do you hear what I'm saying? Spirit of prophecy. We're not done. Spirit of prophecy. Come. You want a disruption? This is the disruption. I'm not going to keep preaching to fill the awkward silence, but I can. But that's not what you want, right? You want a disruption. What's the Lord saying? What is he saying? What did you hear? Come on, somebody talk back to me. Yes. This is really the understanding of being baptized, right? Baptism is, is an immersion into the reality of God and, the, and God immersing himself in our humanity, right? That verse, hidden in Christ, and he is also within us, in, hidden in jars of clay. Hello? The fullness of God is within you. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, right? And he'll cause you to be my witness to the end. Think of what a witness is. 
A witness is someone who has a first-hand account of Jesus. See, we preach the Holy Spirit like goosebumps fall down. The, Holy, the baptism of the Holy Spirit was to bring us into the reality of heaven to make us a witness of who? Jesus. Jesus is not dead. He's alive. The baptism, this immersion thing. See, what's coming is this message. God, do you see it? We all have a little piece. And he's saying, this immersion is to make you my witness to the ends of the earth. It's not that you can tell Peter's story. meant to tell Peter's story. I mean, we are. It's to inspire us, but, but we need our own story. God wants you to have your own story, to be a witness of who he is. He's alive. Listen, what you just shared, that'll preach all day because it was yours, right? When you tell your friend, I had the experience of being covered in the blood of Christ. That's not Paul writing a letter to the church only. The power is the pow- how does it come up? The Holy Spirit will come upon you to make you and with power. Why? Because you become an, a witness of the things of God. Do you see how this is? What else? What else? What else? So when I had my eyes closed, um, I seen this oneness with the Father taking place with all of us as a congregation. And immediately when that took place, many different people started standing up and giving the word of prophecy. And the way that I interpreted it was when oneness takes place, 1 Corinthians 14 comes at a default. That everything begins to activate whenever we become one with the Father. And the reason that many things do not activate like that in the local church is because there is little oneness. Yeah. Who else? You need the mic? Um, what about when we don't experience anything? When we have, we try, we, we uh, uh, did what you told us and try and went there, but yeah, we, 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 we I don't think I even, I even got close yeah. to it. And uh, what, what is, what has, I have experienced that many times. Sure. I just wanted to reach out and, um, um, and I don't. And what is it, you know, what is it that, that we're do, we doing that I'm doing that I'm not able to, to get that close? Yeah. I know that sin can do, you know, sin can Sure. Do, but I have confessed and I have prayed and whatever I had done that was not right, I have confessed it. So what is it that's keeping me from the closeness with Jesus? Yeah. And it's, it's a battle. I mean, yeah. it's a battle for a while. I, first of all, you know, you know the same scriptures, right? So you repent. It's, sometimes it's just the process. And I know we don't like that. It's just, you know, I've got dear friends here who are in the process of waiting for healing. They're waiting for the manifestation of healing. We talk about this all the time, right? That's a manifestation, the experience of what we know to be true in the scriptures, what we know to be true in the dimension of heaven, and yet there's a delay in what we're experiencing in our body. Or we're meditating on something and there's a delay in what our mind and what our spirit is accessing. I would say this, and it's not, it's not the, the fun answer, but sometimes it just it's the process. It's just the process. For I was sitting on this verse meditating for two years before I had the experience of the verse. 
but I know there's a grace on my life because after I experienced it, I told Larry and I said, let's go in. And we went in together and he didn't sit for two years in that process. Right? So there's something we get by the spirit. We're able to transfer to one another. That's what people who walk in the gifts of healing, the gifts of miracles, they've accessed something in the dimension of heaven. And when they lay hands, they're imparting what they are currently accessing. Right? That's what this is. And so that is on my life. And how many people you could go to a conference where there's some guy who's known in healing and many people will come and get healed and many people will not. And we can say, ah, well, they didn't have faith. I don't believe it's that. I believe there's a process. I, I wouldn't shortchange my two-year delay. I loved, I mean, looking back, right? For two years, it was annoying. But, but the longing, the desire for this, the, the uh, pain of not having it, seeing it written in the scriptures and not experiencing it, and then still going after it, still go, that does something. And when you've, you've been around anybody who walks in a, in a unique gift like that, uh, any of the, like, I, I, the easiest way I can think of it is a faith healer, uh, Smith Wigglesworth. Smith, let's talk about Smith Wigglesworth and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He went to every meeting because everybody's getting filled with the Holy Spirit and he's not. And he's so annoyed. Like he's angry. He'd go and yell at the preachers after because, you know, they lay hands on everybody. Everybody gets filled and not him. And I mean, he's angry. He's, you know, he's agitated by the word for it. It wasn't a short process that longing created something and he wouldn't stop until he experienced that thing. And then he became one of the greatest conduits of the person of the Holy Spirit. But it was that delay. And so when I hear people go, oh, here's this this anxiety of not, I go, oh, wait, that's still really important. That doesn't mean you're being left out of something. It could be, and I would just speak this over you, there's actually an invitation over your life to come after this. Don't give up on this. Come after this. It's, it may be part of your message, but some of the things that become our message are things we had to dig for a little ourselves. No matter how I preach this, somebody's going, well, great, I just experienced it, so what, this isn't mine? No, no, no. I'm just saying we've got to preach like it can be transferred to everyone. When, when we lay hands on the sick, we lay hands believing for all to be healed. When we cast out demons, we prophesy and drive out demons expecting everything to leave. When we go pray for dead people and we have, we expect all of them to get up. That, that's, that's how we're called to and commanded to walk. However, when, when we're experiencing the process and the pain of process, I would just say, please don't give up. Take this verse, that pain that I hear in you, which is a holy pain. No condemnation. I didn't hear any condemnation in your question towards yourself, but longing. Didn't you hear that? That's a gift to the body. Longing for something is a gift to the body. So I I just speak this even over how you experienced that. The devil will come in right behind anything like this and just wallop us. I just speak the protection of God over the process you're in. That you would see this as a God thing. He's creating a longing in you. He's creating a longing in you. So we, we don't diminish it and we don't, I'm, I don't feel sorry. I just say it's an invitation. Right? 
What else? What else? I love that that was your question. And it's important because how many times we've been a part of uh, Evangelist Reinhard Bonnke's ministry and seen lots of amazing things. And yet I'm often standing at the doors or seeing something and many people leaving so mad and frustrated. Right? And their testimony isn't on the stage. Right? But it should be because the process is beautiful to the Lord. Right? He deals with us in process. And uh, any, it, honestly, anybody I've respected had a long delay in going after that thing that now becomes the biggest conduit of their life. So I just, I just think we just got to trust that, right? Is anybody else here you felt frustrated? <laughs> I knew you did. Because, but what I know about you, Alicia, and we just met in the green room, is like you were already crying because you just want God. Before the service, right? You're just longing for, it's, this is the process you're in, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't shortcut you from that process, right? A hunger. This is what we know about hunger and thirst. It says we'll be filled, right? We will. So don't throw it off. Don't allow the devil to steal it because it's painful, and it is painful to be hungry. That's why we don't want to be hungry. Anybody's stomach growling? Don't, don't think about it. Keep going. Keep going. Uh, somebody raise, raise your hand. Yeah. Um, I actually didn't tell you this. I saw this a few weeks ago. Um, pastor was preaching on uh, the Valley of the Dry Bones, Ezekiel. During worship, before his preach, I saw the chapter after that is talking about he is taking out hearts of stone and giving him a new heart of flesh. And I saw, as soon as I closed my eyes, I saw it again. And what I saw was this big stadium. And there were all ultra-Orthodox Jewish people. And it was filled. And they were taking out their stones and laying them in the center of the stadium. And as one was taking it out, the next one was taking out. And it was building this, I don't want to say platform, but uh, it was building something. And then Jesus stepped in and he stood on it. And as more people saw Jesus, more people threw out their stones and Jesus was being lifted higher and higher. And now all the people were seeing him as he is, the son of God, Yeshua, the Messiah. So. Do you have a connection with Israel? You, you are connected with Israel? You have family living there? Me too. Okay, so I'm the stadium lady. Do you know that? That's what people call me, the stadium lady. And um, I love that. It's not a joke. They call me the stadium lady. I'll tell a little bit about my story because Ezekiel 37, which you preached, that ties with the valley and then this other thing. So it's all going to... Okay, this is why we do this. We make time. Because, look, I could come up here with my canned message of this, but the Lord wants to do something. And we just want to make room for what the Lord wants to do, right? It's an invitation from his heart to us. And we're just walking into the invitation. Yeah? Yeah. Now, people, listen, I preach for a lot of years. You can go get all those teachings. I believe in preparation. I'm not throwing off preparation. I'm just saying that we got to make more room for God. Yeah? Okay. So, um, 
Many years ago, I'll be very brief on the stadium part of the story, but I believe it fits with what God's calling you into. So many moons ago, 13 years ago, I, was, I had a ministry school called Resound. We had a church. At the time, it was just started, and it was just a ministry school. And it was about 30 young people, crazy young people, radical young people, right? Just, we're going to preach the kingdom kind of young people. And so I was driving in. We had just launched. It was about two or three weeks old. And I was driving into work, passing the Orlando Stadium, the Camping World Stadium. At the time, it was the Citrus Bowl. And as I was driving past that stadium, I heard a voice behind my right ear like a trumpet. Never heard the audible voice of the Lord before this. And I have never heard the audible voice of the Lord since this. And I hear him like a trumpet behind my ear say, Leah! Fill the bowls, and I will pour them out. Stadiums are bowls, yes? Fill the bowls, and I will pour them out. I was immediately terrified because though we had a ministry school, it was 30 people, and none of them were paying, and I was poor. And so fill the bowls, fill stadiums. I'm too little. I'm too me. I'm too nobody to do that. It was terrifying. If you've ever really heard the command of Christ, you know what I'm talking about. The command of Christ doesn't make you like beat your chest. Like, it, it makes you like, ah, oh, I can't do that. Right. You can't do that, but God wants to do that and make you a witness of what he's about to do. That's the calling. This is our calling. God is not calling any of us into small things. Hello. So I drive into work. As I, as I um, pull in, I, I'm shaken by this word. I, I walk in. They're already, uh, we started always with prayer. And they're up there and they're singing about Revelation chapter 4 and Revelation chapter 5. And they're re- reading those verses, which is the atmosphere of heaven. And it talks about that the elders are holding golden bowls full of the, full of the prayers of the saints. And I have this like very spiritual thought. Like maybe God means fill those bowls in heaven and he'll pour them out over the earth like that. I want a, that interpretation because nobody can tell if I failed. That, that's the truth. Nobody will know if I just bombed this, right? And so I just was gripped. I believe what really the Lord is saying is that the bowls of heaven are connected to the bowls of earth. It's what we just did. The reality of heaven and the reality of earth are meant to be connected. I leave work, I drive home. Larry, like all good husbands, has on ESPN. And when I walk in, they're doing a story on ESPN about the East Coast Bowls, the East Coast Stadiums. That the East Coast Stadiums, that all of this money is being poured into stadiums and they're building hotels. And there's gonna be a stadium movement coming again to America. This is what is said on ESPN. And I, I literally am shaken by the word. And the Lord says, do not over-spiritualize what I'm calling you to do. I'm telling you, fill stadiums. I go to my room. I'm crying. I cannot even get my faith up to say yes to the Lord. Have you been there? Come on. Have you been there? You know what this is. You just can't even agree with God. And I'm just wrestling my heart. Finally give my very weak, weak yes to the Lord. I just say yes to what you're saying. 
I'm still me. I'm a grasshopper in my own eyes. That's what we say. But Lord, fulfill your word. Fulfill your word. That night I Google uh, uh, Orlando Stadium vision because I want to see an aerial shot of the stadium in Orlando. And, And 12 or 13 years ago, whenever this was, the number one thing on Google search back then was a prophet's word, a man named Paul Cain. Have you heard of him? You know him. He's a crazy kind of prophet. He says, hey, Donnie, uh, I'm going to come to your church, and when I come, there's going to be a great earthquake that comes. What date would you like me to come? And you pick the date, and then there's an earthquake. I mean, he's, he's, he operates in a whole different reality of the prophetic, okay? Not just shifts and accelerations. Good God, if I hear one more prophetic word about a shift and an acceleration. Yeah, we're always shifting and accelerating. Come on, I mean, let's get a little more specific, right? He's, he's, a, he's, he's one of those kinds of capital P prophets, I would call them, yes? And so I, I, I knew who he was. I had uh, well acquainted with his words. I click on the link, and out of the link comes a, a prophetic word that had been released almost 35 years previously, which was that stadiums would be filled, that at some point there was going to be a stadium movement, a stadium Christianity movement that would hit all of the nations, and it would be filled with nameless and faceless ones. ABC, NBC, CBS would show up to these stadiums, and they would say, uh, who's running this? And the answer would be, we don't know, but people are being healed, and dead people are being raised. And that this would be a movement coming to the earth. That day, that was one day. That was one day in my life, and it has ruined my entire life. This is how God is. It has ruined my plans. It has ruined what I thought I was going to do. It, I'm just, I, it, I got gripped with this word that stadiums would be filled. And so some years went by, and we took our whole ministry school, and Marsha and I and my mom and all, all our 30 students, we packed it in, and we went to every single NFL big, large stadium in the state of Florida, and we began to pray these words back. God, fill the bowls so that you could pour them out. God, raise up people who, who nobody knows them. Nobody's heard their name. Raise up the body. God, raise up young people. Raise up the white hairs to begin to lead this thing in their regions where regions will be shifted. So, you know, that's how you do it with the word, right? You go after it. You pray for it. You pray for it. You pray for it. When you receive a word from the Lord, it's like conceiving the sperma, that's what, the, that's what the term is in the scriptures, the sperma of God, the word of God into the womb of your spirit. And you receive it in seed form. Hello? Nobody gets a full-grown baby in the womb of their spirit. Thank God. You got to grow that thing. The sperma of God, the word of God comes, you conceive it in your spirit. And then, like a, like a mother hen, you're like, if, listen, if we're sons of God, I'm a son of God, you get to be a bride of Christ. Hello? And we begin to pray and and allow that thing to grow within us until at some point it cannot be contained in the womb of your spirit and it must be pushed forth to manifest in the earth. This is the calling of the believer. Hello? And so at some point this thing became too big, too unbearable to hold within. And one day I was reading this article by Reinhard Bonnke and I was annoyed. You know how we get just annoyed reading somebody else's fulfillment story. Oh, shove it. And I'm reading this story. If you don't know who Evangelist Bunky is, he's got like three million who attend one meeting in Africa. And so, you know, you're seeing these harvest fields and it would make me mad. 
right? But there was a time Reinhard Bunke couldn't get four people into a room. So I just, you gotta, you gotta go back to the beginnings of stories, beginnings. And so I'm reading this story and he said, there's a time when he said, when I was a little boy and the resources for our nation would come in. And he said, on, on the big barges, right? Big boats, those big barges that come in with the resources. And he said, and I, 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 I could do anything. I, no amount of manpower, no amount of machinery could move the, those barges when the tide would go out. But when the tide would roll in, I could put my little boy foot on that barge and I could begin to shift the resources for my nation. And some of you, this is what the article says, need to discern when the Holy Spirit has rolled in on your life, when the tide has come in on your life, and what was impossible yesterday, you put your foot on the barge and I'm telling you, you'll begin to move it. There are moments in our life, this is what... It's all through the scriptures. Paul's preaching forever, and he discerned somebody in the room had faith, and in that moment, that thing broke. Friends, it's a moment when faith matches the prophetic word you're carrying, and I'm telling you, that's when the yoke breaks. Faith is the gift of God. I am so stirred up by this word, I begin to, I'm praying in my room, all dressed up, nowhere to go. It suddenly dawns on me, like, God, how do I, like, we got to ask God questions. God, how do I put my foot on the barge? And the Lord says, call the Orlando Citrus Bowl and ask them to give it to you right now for free. Don't want to do that at all. I'm, a t- I'm actually an introvert. I know nobody believes preachers are introverts. Most preachers are introverts, actually. And I'll just, the, ah, dying. And so, uh, you know, I pray for 10 minutes to try and get my faith back up to that moment I had just had with the put your foot on the barge. You know, trying to get, I finally put the call in and thank God nobody answered. And I left a very weird, shaky, nervous message on the phone. And this guy calls me back. I can see it's the same number. I don't even want to pick up the phone. Pick up the phone. And he goes, girl, he laughs. What do you have up your sleeve? <laughs> Just reminded me of like, you know, your dad, you know, like easy. And I said, I want you to give me the stadium for a move of God. I want you to give it to me for free. And he's silent for like 20 seconds, which is nerve wracking. <laughs> and he goes, uh, I've worked here 29 years and there's not been one call that's come in for this stadium to be used as a move of, for a move of God. And then he said, Orlando is due a move of God. I'm going to give you this stadium today, and I'm going to put it in writing. It's yours. The last person who used this stadium was Billy Graham. And that was 32 years ago. Now this is a few years ago. So listen. That began our journey. That's how we met Evangelist Bunky. We began mobilizing, and I became his prayer director. And being around people of faith, where you are uh, uh, catching a mindset of faith, right? It's transferable. These are the things that, that uh, connect. These are the things that shift. It's the mindset of faith connecting to the word you've been carrying for a long time. Some of us have been carrying a word for a long time, a dream for a long time, and we're like, when's it going to happen? I'll tell you when it's going to happen, when the faith for that word matches the word. It's a moment. 
Some of you are going to experience that today. It's like when the breath catches. Hello? So I began going and getting free stadiums, and we did stadium ministry in Mexico. And over the last three years, we've been going down to the Rio Grande Valley. Have you seen the news stories on the Rio Grande Valley? It's the south border of Texas. It's across from Mexico there. It's uh, some of the largest stories of our, news, of our news cycle are about that area where you got 5,000 people flooding those borders. Yes? And so I've been going down there for three years because they have a crazy prophetic word. I don't do anything without somebody with a crazy prophetic word. I don't want to do church. I want to do God stuff. And of course, he uses the church. But uh uh-uh, I'm not coming on as a staff pastor to do boring. Let's take a city. Let's take, come on. Let's take a, do you see what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying. And I know I can say this because I know Donnie feels the same way. We want to see cities saved, right? Transformed. This location needs a ministry school. Interns, interns. So, what was I saying? Yeah, so their prophetic word. Their prophetic word is, they've been praying this for about 12 years now, maybe longer. A million souls, a million souls will be swept into the kingdom from Brownsville to Laredo, which is about a 250-mile stretch of land on the border of Texas, on both sides of the river. First of all, the fact that we got 5,000 people coming in a day, that looks like a revival scenario to me. Wouldn't it be just like God to get the eyes of all the nations on a trouble spot, on a dark spot, and then breathe on it? So I'm so provoked and agitated with this word, and for about three years I've been going down to the valley, and I preach Ezekiel 37, which is... Though many people come in and say this is the valley of dry bones, the Lord is looking for one guy, just one person who would agree with what he says over the region. We have more than one here is all I'm saying. And so I started going down there and saying, you got this great big prophetic word. When are you going to do something about it? You know, like all prophetic people do, just stirring up trouble, making friends everywhere. You know, the prophets of old were called the troublers of Israel, (laughs) right? They would like needle the kings into position. I've been told I have that gift of provoking. (laughs) It's best in small doses. troublers, right? Those who provoke a region into their calling. And so we just got the stadium there. And uh, we will be doing our first nameless, faceless stadium event on the border on leap year this year, which is February 29th. And it's called Fill the Bulls. And uh, we just had all, all of the uh, mayors, city by city, they're signing on and saying, we're going to open our regions to the King of Kings that Jesus would come and reign here. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. 
If he can just find a couple of people to agree with what he says. See, this is the thing. Circumstances look dire. And God says, I'm looking for, I'm creating a people who will stand like, listen, when Jesus came to us, we were enemies. The situation was pretty dire. He, he's agreeing with the plans of the Father, not our actions. If he was waiting for our actions to line up, he wouldn't come. Hello? Ezekiel 38, why is this important? Because our main verse has to do with provoking Israel to jealousy. What God's about to do in the earth is going to have to be seen in light of Israel. And though I don't have a whole lot of time to teach theology on lining up with Israel, it's more than planting trees. Your alignment with Israel is going to be more costly than whether you send $100 to plant a tree, although by all means plant a tree. Right? It's about alignment. We were just there. I did a prayer gathering in the West Bank with Lou Engel. We took our family for six weeks. This lady, this crazy lady, had this property in the West Bank, which, by the way, is very dangerous. It's contested land right there. And uh, she had been gifted this property. She's an American, and she had invited Lou and I to come and pray on her property. And we went. We didn't really know where we were going, but we're praying. And in the course of praying there, she says, uh, I feel like I'm supposed to do this verse. And she reads this really obscure verse in, who is it, Jeremiah. And the verse says that on the hills of Ephraim, on the hills of the West Bank, on the hills of Samaria, there will one day be a Gentile remnant who would come together and they would say, arise, let us go up to Zion. And she goes, I believe that the, the reason I've been gifted this property is because this verse in Jeremiah hasn't been fulfilled and I'm supposed to make it come to pass. First of all, that's a crazy lady. <laughs> this is how John the Baptist operated. They go, who are you, John? Listen, if you've been in the church game for any length of time, that is the question. Who do you think you are, Donnie? Who do you think you are, so-and-so? And listen, John has enough sense to say, look, I'm not even going to tell you my name. All of these guys operated namelessly and facelessly, if you think about it. He didn't say, well, I'm John the Baptist. No. He says, I'm the guy that Isaiah wrote about. Who, right? Prepare the way of the Lord. I'm that guy. Jesus hides himself in the scriptures. Do you remember this? He's in his hometown of Nazareth in the synagogue. They bring him the, the scroll and he scrolled it all out. And it was his time to read. It wasn't a Bible. It wasn't on an iPad. It was a scroll. He scrolls it out to the place he wants to get, which by the way is Isaiah 61. He had some scrolling. He gets to Isaiah 61, reads the account, right? The spirit of the Lord God is upon me. He's anointed me to heal the sick. Remember these scriptures. And then he rolls the scroll back up, hands it to the attendant, and sits down. Jesus had some cojones, as they say. He is not a pansy. He's not meek and mild. He is a man's man. And he says, today this thing has been fulfilled in your hearing. He hides himself in the word. Do you hear what I'm trying to get at? He came in even namelessly and facelessly, if you will. What does it say in the end times? Jesus says to Israel, you're not going to see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of themselves. The Lord. 
See, this nameless, faceless thing is about a people who understand I don't have to come in the strength of my own name. I don't care if you've ever heard of me before. I'm trusting in the spirit of the Lord to be on my life. Take my name off everything. It's the spirit of God. I'm coming in the name of the Lord. Hello? This is it. When we see that the light of the next wave of evangelism has to line up with Israel, we see why are stadium events important in the mind of God? Because in a moment, you can change the theology of a region in alignment with Israel. Do you see it? Their main word there is Ezekiel 38. Our main word for that prayer gathering, where we had Palestinians, Messianic Jews, Orthodox Jews, people from the Knesset, people from the White House in a prayer gathering of 300 people in the hills of Samaria that you will never hear about other than me because it was dangerous. And if it had been publicized, those people could have been killed. But that was the prayer. Ezekiel 38, take out the heart of stone, God, and give us a heart of flesh. This is what God is doing in the earth, and he's using us. He's using you. He's saying there's got to be a great disruption, and the disruption is in you because the disruptor is in you. Hello? Do you hear what I'm saying? Are you willing to live disrupted? Or do we really want business as usual? I really feel like you're almost in a line in the sand moment here. Because disruption is messy, inconvenient, it ruins your other plans. Larry always makes me so mad. I said, I don't want to talk to anybody today, like all introverts. And Larry stops to talk to every person on the way. He's got a disruptor in there. I want you to just stand to your feet. I want you to believe that God will use your life not because you've got to be somebody I think sometimes we try and be somebody to prove to ourselves we can be somebody. You know? It's like, I noticed when we had had a small church. It's like there was a sense that if we could just grow bigger, then I would feel like we were something. You know? The seed of God is either the seed of God in its full potential or it's not. If we're carrying something and it's not the seed of God, it's not the seed of God no, no matter how big it grows. And so I just want to speak over you even as a community, right? I know you're small and it's easy to kind of wonder maybe, is it, it, are we something? Are we legitimate? Are we allowed to go after this thing that's so big when we're this small? Yes, yes. Yes, you're allowed to believe and go after it. Are we allowed to believe that God would cause us, though we're this size right now, to believe for something that would shake a city, that would shake a nation? Yes? 
You don't have to be famous. You don't have to have an Instagram following. You don't have to have Facebook followers to be the thing. Just be the thing. Just be the thing. You don't have to be known as a great healing evangelist to lay out your hands on the sick. Just lay your hands on the sick. Do you hear me? This is what I want to do. I just want to ask that today you would re-enlist your heart to believe. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.